0: Presentation Whatever it really is, it appears to be a genetic aberration This weird aberration society Hello, I'm Ryan and this is Mutual Aberration Society Today I'm going to be talking about a hidden gem uh, of a film This one I'm sure most of you who are listening have probably not seen. Um, I'm certain there are some people out here or out there who have seen this movie, Um, but it's fairly unknown, Um, definitely under-discussed. So, it sounds like a perfect recipe to do an MAS episode on, which is what you're listening to. <laughs> and what is that film? I'm sure you've already read the episode title. It's a very um, eye-popping title. Uh, and that film is called The Rape of Richard Beck. Lieutenant Richard Beck, Homicide a tough cop with his own rule book. indifferent to criminals and victims alike. Fast, Harlan. you got to stick both of us and you're a dead man. You gonna shoot me. Not with you here, man. He's... Well, I'm gonna jump away now, and then Gibbs here is gonna blow you to <laughs> me. Shut up! I'll kill him, man. If you stick me first, then Gibbs has got a clean shot at you. You never thought about that, did you, Harlan? Huh? Huh? and you let a rape suspect walk away wrong well i traded him i traded him. now correct me if i'm wrong lieutenant but uh, murder is still the top tune on the charts isn't it exactly and rape has priority somewhere below jaywalking. lieutenant richard beck tough but not invincible sonny we got us a cop we got us a pig want to go first then it'll be my turn but who can help Beck when he himself becomes a victim now this film is from 1985 and it's directed by Karen Arthur and Karen Arthur is an American uh, filmmaker. I think she also was an actress. Uh, She's directed a lot of features, but she's really had a prolific career directing like television, movies, and TV series. Um, And this movie is definitely, in terms of made-for-TV movies, especially made-for-TV movies in the 80s, like this this. This movie, it just goes places that you typically don't see, even now. Like, you don't see a lot of depictions of uh, male sexual assault. Um, Now, I'm sure there are movies out there about this topic and this subject, but it's usually, most times, you know, not about characters like uh, Richard Beck, who is played by Richard Crenna. Richard Crenna might sound familiar because you will hear his voice in the intro of this episode. Um, Yeah, I uh, used... He plays Doc in Leviathan, and that's when you hear him saying it's some kind of genetic aberration. That is actually uh, Richard Crenna, a.k.a. Richard Beck, from uh, this movie. Uh, And yes this movie is about a man being raped, sexually assaulted. Um, it also has another title called deadly justice, which I think is the title that they used, um, for the actual, and I believe this, I believe this may have aired on ABC. Um, if my, uh, research is correct here on this movie. Um, Yeah, so it has an alternative title of Deadly Justice, which obviously you're not going to have a title like uh, The Rape of Richard Beck um, on on TV. Even today, you probably wouldn't have that title, Um, Well, definitely not on TV in the 80s. Now, I'll go ahead and I'll do what I always do and read uh, the letterbox synopsis uh, for the movie, and then we'll uh, really get into uh, more about this movie. So here we go. He had to learn the truth the hard way. The tables turned for cynical police officer Richard Beck when he's viciously attacked by two homicidal crooks. Having never been empathetic towards the victims he's dealt with on a daily basis, Beck now has to confront the tough system he was a part of. As he struggles to regain his status at work, he also must make sure those responsible for his attack are prosecuted. Okay, where to begin, where to begin? Wow. I mean, for one, to think of an actor, um, like Richard Crenna in a role like this, is kind of wild. Um, especially again, like this was something that was made for TV. It definitely has elements and aspects to to it that kind of seem a little bit, I don't know. Um, lifetime channel adjacent, um, just in terms of the, the, the the maybe the overt sort of messaging, and I'm typically not uh, big on movies that kind of have the sort of heavy-handedness when it comes to sort of the point they're trying to make, but I feel like in this specific instance it actually works well for the movie, um, I think this is a strong movie, um, it overcomes some of the things that I feel like, uh, movies like it tend to fall into, like, tend to fall just shy of the mark of, like, um, I don't know, like, f- for, for, for me, at least, for me, watching this movie, um, Man, it just—all the times that I was expecting this movie to sort of lag or do things that might make this not a interesting watch, um, like the, this movie manages to just not like even even moments when I feel like oh it is doing it it for some reason like um, it just never. It's just immune, like um, and I that must I give a give, I mean that must be, just a credit. To, just the filmmaking, and, and the performance, and the performances in general, not just not just the uh, performance of Richard Crenna, but like, the cast in general, um, and obviously, to to Karen Arthur, uh, her directing chops, uh, kind of shine through, and this sort of TV budgeted you know, a uh, movie, um, but the movie kind of starts, and we're introduced to Richard Breck, Beck, I want to say Breck, Richard Breck, what? hmm, whatever, uh, Richard Beck, and f- just for those, uh, let me apologize if, if I, my, my voice, if you can hear it, I don't know if you can hear it, um, the, well, let's just say my, the crown, one, like my back crown tooth, broke partially. Um, and now it's like scraping the side of my tongue. And it's kind of affecting the way I'm talking. Um, in fact, um, it's kind of hard to, or uncomfortable, not hard necessarily, but uncomfortable for me to talk. And um, But I'm still doing a podcast. So um, yeah, you just got, sometimes you just got to pod, you just got to power through it. So so I'm here. Um, I'm powering through it. Um, I hope you guys appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, where was I? Oh, yeah. So back to the movie. So we're introduced to Richard Beck, um, a very cocky cop um, and his partner um, and sort of his partner is literally getting ready to sort of. You know, he's already talking about, like, his pension. He's only got to be on the force for so much longer. So he wants to get out of homicide, do something that's a little less, you know, dangerous because he wants to just, you know, basically work the remaining time that he has on the force and, you know, collect his pension and be done with the cop stuff and and not really be, um, you know, out in the streets, doing things that could potentially, you know, get him, you know, hurt or worse, killed, you know, which again, um, this, this, I'm not a big copaganda. And when I say I'm not a big fan of copaganda, I'm not a fan of copaganda at all, you know. Um, And this is another uh, aspect of this movie that I actually appreciate is that this movie um, depicts cops in a way that I feel is fairly critical critical in a way where it's like, every time you think it's about to sort of be some blue lives matter kind of shit. It really doesn't. It really, for, for, for example, Richard is a dickhead. I mean the name Richard, you know, it's appropriate cause he's a dick. Um, and again, like when we're introduced to him and his partner, um, they're actually driving around, like I said, They're driving around New York City um, at night, kind of in a, you know, New York in the 80s. They're around like where it looks like a 42nd Street style area, Um, but they're off the clock. And uh, Richard is preferring referring to driving through these parts of New York as going on a safari. And his partner is kind of tired of him doing this shit. You know, um, we, we, we immediately made aware of this. He's looking to see if he can catch uh, some crime, you know, on some Batman vigilante shit, even though he's a cop and he has a badge. He's off duty. His partner's off duty. And apparently he likes to do this shit. And ultimately it comes back to bite him in the ass, no pun intended, um, a little bit later in the movie. But we watch him sort of drive around and then he sees uh, three guys sort of in the process of attempting to rob a man, um, three white guys, um, which, again, shout out to Karen Arthur for not going with the obvious and making this like three Latinos or three black people or whatever because any racist listeners would probably be like, that's more accurate. Shut the fuck up. Anyways, um, stop listening to MAS (laughs) if you're one of those people. Um, But, um, yeah, so they pull up, Richard spots him, he pulls up, um, his partner's kind of like, why are we doing this? Which again, partner's kind of a piece of shit. Cause this guy is literally like being robbed by three dudes. And he's clearly like, he looks like he's might be drunk or he's definitely not got his wits about him. So regardless of whether they're off duty or not, the fact that his partner's kind of like, we shouldn't be doing this at all. We should just go. It's kind of fucked up too, in and of itself, which is what I'm saying. Like the cops and the depiction of the cops and the attitudes about the, the attitudes that the police have. Uh, on the force are very kind of what people tend to criticize cops for being, which would, you know, like very sort of keeping things within, you know, the code of silence that exists when cops protecting each other, all of that kind of shit, the blue line shit, all of that shit. You kind of see it this early. uh, This is obviously from the late eight or mid eighties. So this is before all of that became like really prevalent in terms of like in the, in the discourse. I mean, I'm sure back then there was, you know, talks of this kind of thing. I know for a fact it was, but not like the way it's talked about today. Right. But anyhow, um, Richard and his partner are watching this go down. So Richard's like, all right, let's do this. His partner's like, well, let me get out and help you. And he's like, no, 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 I can get, I can do this myself. So immediately we know Richard's a fucking cowboy, right? He's like, you know, which is, again, it's kind of going against type for for, for uh, Richard Crenna. Like, he doesn't even seem like the type, right? So he, you know, he gets out the car. His partner just, is, you know, waits in the car um, and just watches, observes. Um, Richard shouts to the guys, hey, they turn around, they see him approach. And basically, you know, he starts to fuck with these guys because he knows, like, he knows pretty much that he's got the drop on them. He's caught them in the act of doing some shit. They kind of get the sense that he's a cop. I mean, it's obvious he's a cop. This dude's a cop. He's walking up. He's being fairly fairly like kind of authoritative, you know, into asking them what they're doing. You know, basically he tells he tells them like, I'll let one of you run and I'm being generous. And at this point, this pisses off the kind of the, the kind of ringleader guy. Um, and now at, at this point. Um, the partner has kind of stepped out of the car, but like he's got the door open and the passenger side. He's just, you know, back waiting. And the guys, obviously the three criminal guys, they look over and they see him, you know, um, but Richard gets into it with uh sort of ringleader guy ends up sort of like. In a in a physical altercation that he gets the best of and kind of like ends up, you know, him and this dude up, and uh, the the other two guys run away. Um, and I guess they send the guy who they who they were robbing on his on his way, who's like barely barely coherent. He might like walk up the street and get robbed again by someone else. Uh, but his partner has an issue with this shit, you know, because he's tired of Richard just being you know doing these cowboy shit, even though he did successfully like you know thwart, you know thwart you know, these criminal guys, I mean, crooks, I mean, they're just, you know, random, and these these guys fell out of a fucking Batman movie, and I'm not saying that crime like this didn't happen in the 80s in New York City, because it definitely did, for sure, um, but, you know, anyhow, at that point, um, I think we start to uh, see Richards, he comes home, he goes to a house, not, he rings the door, a woman opens it, but he's already, he's walked away, so she opens the door to nothing, and then he, we see her, him walk up behind her from inside the house, and scare her, and he's gone through the back door, um, and then we discover that this is, this woman is his ex-wife, they're divorced, um, they have two kids, which we meet in this scene as well, a son and a daughter around similar ages, like, high school-less age, you know, um, age kids. Um, and we get the sense that like Richard and his wife, Richard wants to sort of still be sort of the man of the house, even though he no longer lives there, even and his wife is no, is, has moved on. Um, and she's like telling Richard to like leave. He's like trying to hit on her. And then like, uh, a man comes over to see her who happens to be her professor that I guess she's back in school or college. I'm not, I'm not not sure, but she refers to him as a professor. And um, this is a sort of awkward moment with Richard where she has to like introduce them and, you know, and then Richard's like makes his way out of the house. And again, it's already established, you know, this relationship that he has um, with, with, you know, again, he's a totally divorced dad. He's got divorced dad energy, And you get the sense like, oh, Richard's an asshole. Again, he's an asshole. He's very cocky, very arrogant. Uh, He takes his position as a detective, uh, you know, to his head. I mean, here's another thing. He comes from uh, a a police family because in this, before the exchange happens where uh, the man... The professor, the wife's new love interest, comes into the picture. Um, Richard is talking with his ex-wife about taking his son on a fishing trip with his father, his son's grandfather. And you know, the mom's like, "He's doing bad in school. I don't want him to be able to go on the fishing trip." And and the the son actually is like pleading, and and then Richard's like, "Come on, let him go." And she's like, and then she's like, "No, it's grades or bad." And he says something like. Mm, he would learn more in just an hour with, you know, listening to my father up there on a fishing trip than he would in any of putting his head in any of those books. And we come to discover his dad was also a cop. So his dad was a cop on the forest, retired. Now Richard's a cop. And you get the sense that he kind of wants his son to follow in the same footsteps and be an asshole just like him. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're introduced to sort of, you know, divorce dad energy, Richard back you know, we, I mean, well, we're introduced to his family, but, you know, we're introduced to that side of him. We're also getting the sense again, like he, we already know he's a cowboy. Um, again, he's very, you know, a very cocky cop taking sort of his position as a cop on the force to his, you know, he, you can tell it goes to his head. Um, then we get a scene after that, I believe. And again, I need to, I need to run my memory and I'm not going to go, uh, down the beat by beat completely but I'm gonna kind of do that and try to like talk a little bit more about some of the bigger more sort of interesting aspects to this movie that I feel like are worth highlighting because again like as much as I pride I don't I don't pride myself on this anybody that's listened to these or listens to this podcast knows um I always talk about like, oh, you know, I don't want to do a beat by beat and I always do a beat by beat. So we'll see how it goes. But we're introduced to the family and then afterwards um, there is a scene where there's a new cop that Richard's partner brings to a crime scene, right, where There's two patrolmen already playing, you know, beat cops that are already there, and the partner walks up with this new young guy who's going to be his replacement because again he's switching departments because he's. We've already as as the movie has already told us, uh, and and the partner's literally Richard's partner is saying like he's just he's on his you know he's trying to like transition out of the out of homicide and take an easier kind of gig and on the in the police department. And ride that out until, you know, he's able to retire and collect his pension. So this new guy, this new young up-and-coming guy, walks up with uh, Richard's partner, talks to these uh, beat cops. Um, The beat cops are filling them in on what's going on. Um, We don't quite know what's going on. We just know it's a crime scene of some kind. They're like, where's Richard at? Uh, He's not here yet. Um... And it, it's a funny, it's a funny moment because we get a little bit of backstory on this new young guy and the, the new young guys like, you know, I've held, he, he mentions that like he's held his breath uh, one time uh, for like three, over three minutes. Um, and you're, you're wondering like, why is that important information for some reason? He says something about like, he used to like go underwater with octopuses and like he can he can he learned how to hold his breath for like three over three minutes again. Um, we're not quite sure why, but when the scene plays itself out, we immediately understand. And the cops are like taking bets before um, before they get there about, like, you know, like, again, no context provided. It's a funny moment, though, the way it plays itself out. But they're taking bets with each other about, like, how long the new guy will last or if, you know, Rich, you know, who's, is Richard Beck gonna win or is this new guy gonna win? And like, like I said, they, this is before they walk up. And then, you know, as they kind of introduce themselves and he gives them this random piece of information, that's when Richard shows up. Um, Richard says, you know, uh, let's go down and check out the crime scene. Uh, he looks at his partner's his partners like none of the kids going with, you know, he's my replacement. And he looks at the guy like, OK, like, let's go. And then that's when they sort of wait and they watch them walk down the stairs and then they go inside what looks to be some sort of like, I don't know, like a cold fridge area. I mean, it it might not be, but it's just, again, it kind of has that kind of vibe because they open up this sliding metal door. They go inside and we get the glimpse of like a woman's body. Um, And now, as soon as they open the door, apparently they have to hold their breath, right? Which is why they set up this whole thing about the kid being able to hold the, the, the kid. He's a young guy. He's a young partner. Not really a kid, but he's definitely young. Um, about him holding his breath. Right. So Richard closes the door and they're holding their breath while they're like inside with this dead body and they're collecting evidence. And like they're like talking, like they're talking like this as they hold their breath. And we watch, we watch as like Richard is like asking, asking the, the, the new guy, he's like, are you okay? Are you okay, kid? And the new guy's perfectly fine. He's like actually doing better again, better than Richard. And as as he's as this is playing itself out, it cuts back up to the cops, the you know Richard's partner and the two uh, beat cops, and they're like sitting there like you think you think uh, you think you think he's gonna beat them, and you know again this whole thing is a game. Richard's in on it. He's thinking like you know they this is like a hazing process that he does with I guess new guys or rookies, right? where he's just going to be down in there and because he's used to it, he can hold his breath and the new guy won't know what to expect. But what happens is the new guy actually manages to, you know, keep his cool because he can le- legitimately hold his breath a long time and apparently longer than Richard because Richard says, um, are you okay again one last time after they collect some evidence? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, well, good. Cause I'm not. And Richard runs out because he can't hold his breath anymore but as he's running out, he shuts the door and shuts the kid, uh, the, the young, the new guy in inside, and you can hear him banging on the door. And as he walks up the steps, the cops are like, what happened? And he's like, uh, he won, you know, and they make a comment and he's like, you guys better go down there and let him out. So again, dickhead asshole. Right. And that scene, uh, is immediately followed by them going into the sex crimes, uh, department, uh, of the police station, um. Which I would think that would be, I don't know. Sex crimes is very specific. I don't know if it's in tandem with like vice. I don't really know. Um, but they walk into this police department. Um, this side, this they walk into the police department, but to the sex crimes side of of the station, um, wherever it's located. Um, and there is a first of all, there's the the captain of the of the sex crimes department, it's played by this black actor. Um, who's familiar and I can't quite place what I've seen him in, um, but I know I've seen him in other things and I'm blanking on this, those things at the moment, but that's not really uh, that relevant or important at this point. but they walk in um, and they're there for a specific reason. Now one of the one of the things I haven't mentioned is that when they when Richard was uh, bagging evidence and doing, playing the game with the new guy, uh, you know, uh, trying to hold their breaths. They had found a, uh, a card or an ID of some kind with a guy's name on it. So they they come to the sex crimes department, right? Because they've, I guess in Richard doing some research, the name of the guy they're looking for, right? Who they think is the murder suspect because they found his identification or some form of his identification. They found out that he works with some other guy, who has a warrant for a rape that he's or, you know, um, that the sex crimes is out Like because literally when they walk in, there's an, a very old lady and, uh, she's sitting there talking with a detective and we see there's a blonde woman next to her. Who's talking to her, who, uh, works with sort of victims, uh, specifically women who've been sexually assaulted. Um, And she works, I'm not quite, I'm not quite certain what her actual role is in terms of, there's never quite specified other than she works in tandem with the sex crimes division of the police department. Um, But we're immediately introduced to her. And, and this is kind of like uh, the moment where we get that Richard's karma, like this is the moment where his bad karma, I mean, he's already kind of had, he already has bad karma, but like, this is the moment where like You feel like if you have to pinpoint a moment where Richards, like actual, like this is him doing something that's going to come back and ultimately get repaid upon him Uh, tenfold, it's this moment because they're going into this. uh, They're going. They they come into this the 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 sex crimes department. He's got the new guy um, with him. They come to uh, talk to the captain, and as they're walking over to talk to him, right? Um, again, there's a very older woman who's been assault, sexually assaulted, raped, and she's being consoled by again by this this blonde woman and a detective, and um, they they're saying, "Oh, she's been she she's been raped," and Richard says the most fucked up thing. Where he just sort of, like, looks at her and he says, by who? Like, who would rape her? Like, again, he's an asshole. It's a fucked up thing to say. Um, but, again, not to mention that this is directed by a woman, Karen Arthur, right? And and it, this is a very intentional uh, point or beat in the, in the movie to show, like, how callous and how, like, he doesn't really... He's a piece of shit. Like, he's beyond, like... It's beyond just him being a dick. Like this is so dismissive of this woman, right? Because she's some elderly woman, and he just is like, "Who would do that?" And again, it, the look of the detective and the the woman, the blonde woman. Again, I'm not quite certain. I don't even think she's on the force. I think she she might be some. I think she's she might be some sort of social worker, or maybe she has her own docket. Uh, of some kind that's set up to, that works in tandem with the police officers that's probably involved with the court uh, that's specifically for victims of sexual assault. I, I think that's what her actual role is. I don't think she's not a cop. She's not really a cop, but she's always communicating to these cops and trying to get them to understand, like you know, like women you know who've, who've experienced this kind of thing. Like she's always trying to like, especially to Richard, because Richard is again, Richard's a dickhead, right? But um yeah that moment happens right just very he just blows by like whatever and then they head right over to the captain which we get to uh we get to see exactly what why Richard is here because he's here to uh find out if he can serve the warrant to the guy who they have as the who they suspect is the guy who is actually you know, sexually assaulted or raped this woman, right? But he's like, I want to serve it, and they're, and then, the, and the captain is like, Well, why would we let you, you don't, you work on homicide? Why would we let you collar? I uh, have the collar, you know? And he's like, I don't want the collar. I just want to serve the warrant, you know. And it's like, and he's like, Well, you know, he's like, unless you want to do it, like, you know, I'm saving you guys the trouble of serving him the warrant. And of course, the captain is like kind of like, accu- uh, I guess he basically acquiesces like, you know, because he's like, I guess, I mean, if you want to do it, you know. Um, but again, Richard has ulterior motives because, again, they've they they he has figured out that this guy knows uh, the guy who killed the girl, you know. And again, this is left out of how Richard knows this or how um, it, it, if they if they even say how how, how they know it. It's I, I missed it, but I don't think so. I think it's just exposition that smartly um, Karen Arthur decides is isn't necessary in terms of like we just get we just you don't have to you fill in the blanks. We know that he did his research once he found uh, this guy's identification that this other guy um, who has a warrant um, who they're actually looking for is connected to the killer. And it's like, through this guy, they'll get the killer. And Richard doesn't give a fuck about this guy at all. He just needs to get close. He just needs to find out where this other guy is. So Richard doesn't care about the fact that this guy's a rapist. And he doesn't, again, he's callous when he said, you know, like, made the comment about the, the victim, the woman who's who's been, who's a victim of this, this fucking piece of shit, right? Um, and all of this, again, all of this is set up and it all comes back into play um, as the movie unfolds. Uh, But as he's walking away, I think uh, he tells his partner, like, you know, uh, and this is a reoccurring thing that he says a lot. He says uh, Beck's standard manual of police procedure uh, is cops will always be very uh, willing to help you, especially if you can do some work that they don't have to do, which is basically what, you know, he was able to utilize Uh, he basically, you know, the fact that like, oh, cops are fucking lazy. So it's like, if you offer to do some work for them, um, that can, that they could take some, some work off of, off of their plate, you know, then they'll nine times out of 10, they'll let you do it. Um, so again, they show up at this fucking shipping yard. They find this guy, um, they serve him the fucking warrant, but Richard tells him like, listen, man, I don't care about you. I want to know about this guy. But immediately when he says the guy's name, you know, the rapist is like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I I don't know know anything about him, and uh, that's when Richard Beck really, like, puts, you know, puts the screws in the guy and tells him, like, listen, man, you're gonna go away right now, or you can just fucking disappear, And, and, like, literally, when I'm done talking to you, just disappear if you tell me where I can find this guy, and, of course, this rapist guy, um, and I don't know his actual name, I don't remember it, but he's a fucking rapist. Um, he he tells him where to find him, and it's like, I guess it's this, you know, shitty hole in the wall, like one of those kind of hotels where you, you know, you can tell like, it's like where people sort of, uh, you know, type type of like, I don't know, like it's, it's we, we noticed that it's like, in a certain, I think it's like in Chinatown, because that's where, that's where, We that's literally where he tells him. He says he's in this hotel in Chinatown and there's a little Asian woman who's working at the front desk and you get the sense that, Oh, this is like one of those kind of places like almost like a love hotel that they have in like Japan or some shit where people, men will take, you know, women off the street, you know, like, you know, sex workers or whatever to this type of hotel. It's not, it's a real seedy place. Right. So they, they find his room. They, as they walk up to the door, you know, you know, the, the, the rookie partners with him, he's about to knock and Richard says, no, no, what are you doing? And then Richard knocks very lightly and whispers through the door and says the guy's name, Hey, we're going to come in. You know, again, Richard doesn't give a fuck. And then he kicks the door open. The guy's not there. The partner says, what do we do next? Right. And Richard's like, we just wait. So they are waiting this guy out in the hallway and uh, the guy starts to come from down the hallway corridor and the first person to notice is the, the the young partner. This again, time has already passed. They've been waiting for a while, but he looks up, sees the guy, and he 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 uh alerts Richard. But as he does that, the the little Asian woman who's working at the front counter notices and she signals for the guy, like, don't come back here. And that's when a, a chase ensues, right? And they chase the guy through like through Chinatown. Uh he ends up grabbing um A lady, uh, an older Asian woman, a different one though, um, taking her hostage with a knife, and that's when uh, Richard, Richard has him, the young partner, him split up. But Richard's the the one who confronts him with the woman. He puts his gun down and tells, and convinces the guy to take him as a hostage instead of the woman. He's like, "Listen, you'll get much farther with me than her," and the guy actually buys it, and he does take Richard. Uh, hostage and as they're like walking outside he runs into the the rookie and the rookie pulls a gun on him and the but the rookie's clearly nervous his hands are shaking and uh but richard is richard beck is very calm i mean he's he's he basically you know tells the guy like you know listen like you're not going to get away with this like even if you stab me he's going to shoot you and again once the guy starts to sort of question like you know, the, that like, oh, the situation has gotten out of control. Oh, shit. That's when Richard makes his move, disarms the guy with the knife. They arrest him, um, put him in handcuffs. And then he tells his partner, like, wasn't it worth it, right? Wasn't it worth, like, letting go of this rapist guy to get this guy, this fucking murderer? Um, and then there's a whole brief, uh, 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 a conference room meeting where the captain of the police is in there with Richard, his partner, another guy, uh, the two guys from uh, Sex Crimes and the woman, the social worker woman, again, the woman who has the specialized docket. I'm assuming that's what she has, right? Um, and they're all in there. And, of course, Sex Crimes and this woman are pissed because Richard has let this rapist go. And they're like, yo, like, you let this guy go on the streets. He can do it again. And Richard's like, I'm sorry. You know, he's very dismissive. There's like, and the captain even asking him, well, what, what do you... Richard, like, how, how are we going to make this right? And he's like, uh, I, I promise I will, uh, I guess you can just, like, not have me go to the company picnic or some shit. And, like, the department picnic. Again, Very uh, an asshole thing to say. He thinks it's funny. And of course, no one else thinks it's fucking funny. And the captain is like, uh, you know what? I'm going to take you out of homicide and now you're going to work in sex crimes. And Richard doesn't want to do this but like this is his punishment. He's like until further notice you work in sex crimes now. Since you just since you don't think this isn't, you know, that important and that you're, you know, you just, you know, you're just doing things your own way. This is your form of punishment. And now you report to this the captain of sex crimes. And this actually makes the captain of sex crimes uh, happy. He's like, "Yeah, now you fucking now you're mine." like, "You know what I'm saying?" Like I'm gonna, you know, and so Richard shows up the next day. Two sex crimes. Um, and now what's interesting is he comes in there and immediately like we see him being exposed to sort of his the first he even make the captain even makes it clear. Like the first call that comes in, we want we, he, he he tells he tells, uh, I guess, I don't know, like a dispatch to sort of give it to Richard like you know what I'm saying the first call that he has so richard has to go out and um, start sort of like working these cases where you know women have been legitimately you know sexually assaulted and and it's um and watching him interact with these women you know he's clearly again just insensitive and a brute and he's used to working homicide and his his thing is to catch the people he's more worried about catching the guys Making the collars than he is about like the people, you know, the women specifically, um, that that are you know victims, like you know what I'm saying? He has no sort of um, he has no ability whatsoever to, it's not even that he doesn't have the ability, it's just, it just, he just doesn't care, like he's that much, he's that much of an asshole, right? That he just doesn't care, like. He's such a fucking... Again, cops are blunt instruments. I I say this uh, a lot when I talk about cops in general. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, um, you know, cab all day. (laughs) But uh, they're blunt instruments. They're not designed, you know, to handle certain situations. Like, we act like cops. Cops aren't social workers. Cops don't know how to fucking, you know... uh, Most of the time, you know, they're sent in to de-escalate, and they only escalate things, right? Like, so... Richard, you know, he's he goes out on this first case um to console this woman, right? And I'm trying to remember the order that this happens, but it's very specific. There's two there's there's two specific cases that he happens to go on. The first one um I don't know the order. I don't quite remember the order, but there's when he goes to one where a woman is completely naked in a phone booth and she's saying that she has been raped and now there's a whole crowd around her and Richard has to go up to the phone booth. He tells one of the, the, the beat cops to go get a blanket for him and he's trying to get the woman to open the phone booth and she's clearly traumatized, clearly freaked out as she should be. You know, something fucking terrible just happened to her, right? And we watch as like Richard is like, come out, and he's, like, barely trying to, like, even, he doesn't have empathy, you know what I'm saying, like, he just lacks empathy, and he's not being, you know, he's not being sensitive to the situation, or thinking about, like, what this woman has just experienced, so, like, he kind of, like, forces his way into the booth, and then puts the the blanket around her and he's like walking with her back to the car. She's completely freaking out. Um, He does manage to get her out of there. But then afterwards he's at the bar with all his homicide buddies and he's making, you know, drinking and talking about what happened and they're like laughing it up. And he's like, yeah, this girl shows up. She has nothing on. And like, and he reveals how much of a piece of shit he is when he says, and listen, like I I had her, I was walking with her and, and he says something about like her, I can't remember the words that he says, but basically he says like her breast where he could feel his breast against hit against him and it was he was getting hot. That's exact words. Again, disgusting, right? This motherfucker's a piece of shit. He's a scumbag, right? But he's a cop. What do you expect? That's what cops are. Um and fucking I mean, listen, I'm not saying uh I'm not saying all, cops are fucking I'm saying I'm just saying scumbags in in the general sense I'm not saying like they they all fucking do this but that's what I'm saying specifically okay like you know again I'm not I'm not pro cop you know this is a this is a this is not a blue lives matter podcast um and and I feel like we could get into the complexities about like you know about like what's a good cop what's a bad cop when I'm like hey listen the whole thing needs to be you know rethought like you know what I mean like the whole thing like I think, like, we can get into the origins of the police and, and how they were started, but that, again, that's a whole other podcast, uh, but, like, let's just say the behaviors and attitudes that are on display in this movie are actually... V- kind of accurate in my in my experience and probably even in some ways toned down because i feel like there's a lot of instances where a lot of police officers do a, and, and act a certain way that has just become so casual like the brutality is so casual the lack of uh you know um empathy and all of the things that, that this movie t- touches upon like and again this movie is t- trying to sort of make a point about like sexual assault and like how men specifically it's just it's just using uh it's using the the framework of a cop because what's an, a man who has a position of authority right what is the ultimate position of authority uh one of the ultimate positions of authority in america um I, you know what's the, when people think of like a, a patriarchal figure you know i hate to throw in the patriarch uh, patriarch buzzword, but, you know, I think it applies well here. Um, it's a man who's, a, you know, a white man who's a, who's also a cop, like, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that's very intentional, right? You know, and again, like, I hate to be like, Oh, it's a white man. It's like, no, because, but it's, but it's legitimate though. Like it's a legitimate, uh, social critique. Um, and to say, to act like that's not, uh, someone who would occupy that role, and be a, and be that specific, you know, um identity for lack of a better word to act like what this movie is highlighting is somehow uh overblown or un un, un um unwarranted. I mean, come on, man, like be real. Um Man, I'm all over the place, uh, but yeah. So he makes that fucked up comment about like you know he was getting hot again, a fucked up thing to say when he was escorting this rape victim back towards the the police cruiser. Um, but then there's a moment where there's another woman who's been beat up, assaulted, and they're with a doctor, and we see the again the social the social worker specialized docket blonde um, back there talking to the woman and she's explaining to the doctor, you know, what happened. And then, and, and then we see in the room, there's Richard and, 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 and the blonde walks up to him and, and tells him like, you know, like it's inappropriate for you to be here. And the doctor's like, yeah, you don't really need to be here. I'll collect the evidence. And then, no, and then Richard's like, no, I collect the evidence. This is how we catch the bad guys. I don't really care. And the woman makes the point of like, listen, there should be a woman officer here. Even you cops know that this is out of line. But Richard doesn't leave. Again, karma. That's what I said about his karma. Like he's already this. this is like the third thing that he's done that's just blatantly like insensitive. uh, Just no, you know, uh, a lack of empathy. And he just doesn't have any sort of... uh, He's just heartless. This is a heartless motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be real. Um, now they didn't, they they, they do they do, do a good job of making him a uh a three-dimensional person though. Like, we do get to see other sides of him, right? Um, but these are the moments, these are the moments that that the movie highlights specifically. Uh so Richard is in sex crimes, he's being a fucking piece of shit. Um, he's doing all these things. And and then we also see that he has a, a even though he's like, wants to be with his wife, I think uh, that he goes to, they do go on the fishing trip with his son and his, and his father, and he catches, his son catches a fish or whatever, and they bring it back home, and when he gets back, uh, the wife is like, you're late, you know, you're over two hours late, and Richard's just blowing her off, and that's when the professor guy walks down, he's like, what are you doing here, and he's like, this is my house, and he's like, not last, not last time I checked in, there's this weird, awkward moment where, you know, he gets sort of like, checked like by his wife and her partner like you know like dog like what are you doing like you're not you're, you're divorced leave um so he has to he walks out you know feeling you know like i don't know emasculated at that point i don't fucking know again dude needs to move on because uh he does have a woman that he sees uh and i'm i'm blinking on the actress's name a blonde woman and she's, she's you seen her in a lot of things specific, specifically tv of that era um that that that's uh that he, he meets, he actually comes up to her place, knocks on the door, and she's literally just out the shower, and, um, they immediately start kissing, and he takes her inside of her crib, even though she's like, I just got out the shower, and he's like, it doesn't really matter, again, he's a womanizer, and, like, but he doesn't give a fuck about this woman, this is just a woman that he, like, you know, has a physical relationship with that he just uses, we get that sense, um, right, um, but again, it's, it's just more layers to, to who he is, uh so once all of that's established and i feel like um we we should get to we should get to because i feel like i've been talking a long time which no surprise for anyone who listens to this podcast on a regular basis uh but i want to get to the sort of the, the moment the the moment that the title um it doesn't imply it the moment that the title states this movie is about which is richard's rape so This is one night after, you know, Richard's driving home. Now he has no partner with him, you know, because he's working in sex crimes. He doesn't have a partner because the young guy who he was supposed to be his replacement partner is still in homicide. He didn't get moved. Only Richard got moved. So Richard's been working sex crimes by himself. But he's going back home and he decides to do his little safari. And when he does it, um, he sees these two guys in an alley and they're like dealing drugs and he pursues them, and starts to chase them. Right. Um, So he chases these guys. They run into this fucking building um, and he follows them and this building takes them underground. And um, he's looking around through this building. It's dark. He can look up and he can see like through this, like, it's just like the, uh, the, it's not the bubble glass, but the, like the, I forget the thing. I think the name, I think it might be called bubble glass, but like up above you can see people's footsteps. Like you see people walking on this, on the street above it. It's a very cool like little like uh it's a co- it's a cool view from from below up of the people walking on the sidewalk and on the street. And he can see them as he's moving through this like again these underground tunnels beneath the city. Um, but it's again shadowy and he's looking for these guys and he sees like what appears to be a body on the floor and he approaches it and it's like a bo- it looks like a body of a kid but it's a dummy. And as he picks the dummy up One of the men comes behind him, a big, a a, a fat, bald guy, and puts a gun to him, right. And he makes Richard throw his gun away, right. And that's when the whole, uh, the whole scene plays itself out, right. Where it's like, then the second guy who, who who we see, we can only, we can't see his face, right. He's he's like in the he's in silhouette, but we see him, like, and then they start to sort of like. Fuck with Richard now, like they're like, you know, why are you following us? And then they find out he's a cop because they're like, certain, because Richard is like pleading with them, like more or less trying to bargain with them. He's like, stop, you guys don't know what you're doing. This isn't worth it. Like, um, and and, and the big guys like, nah, fuck that. Like, you know, like we should, you know, you're gonna lose your life today. You know what I'm saying? Unless you want, do you want to live? And you know, he's like, if you want to live, you know, and he makes ba- basically Richard say, I don't want to die. Um. And again, we still haven't seen his partner. He's just there watching, right? Um, As the big guy, the big bald guy, is sort of like being the one who's doing the majority of the talking and, and, and sort of really being sadistically, you know, getting a sadistic pleasure from kind of like having Richard held at gunpoint and sort of like making him sort of beg, you know, and plead, you know. And Richard is like kind of you can get the sense of like, he's like sort of trying to control the situation, but he knows he has no control. Um, he's now he's, he doesn't have backup, but he lies and says, you know, I got backup when they find his badge. Uh, And they're like, oh, you're a fucking pig. Right. When they see his badge and that makes them, that makes them even more, uh, invested in, you know, doing some fucked up shit to Richard. Um, and when the guy finally steps out of the shadows, Um, And we, and reveal his face. It's this fucking, I don't know, like he looks like, ah, man, he has a very kind of, I don't know, heroin chic. I've used that description before, but he definitely looks like a certain kind of sort of like sunken, sunken faced, greasy black hair, stubble, very skinny in contrast to his kind of large round uh, partner um now he reveals himself and he unbuckles his belt you know um we already get the sense we already know what's going to happen like i'm not even really again i could say all i could i could be a little bit more specific about sort of the back and forth but it's like no nah, no nah, nah. now this moment is the way this moment is handled is very interesting right um, because again this is a made for tv movie and they don't show it but they talk about it you know what I'm saying? They talk about what they're gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Without without being like, they're not like overly graphic in what they're talking about. But it's not even he's you know they're just making references to like a pig squealing again. I guess I guess that would definitely be something that uh Deliverance came out you know before this movie. Um, so pretty sure that's a reference to Deliverance making a pig squeal because again he's a cop um, and they're very sort of overt about what's about to happen. Hey, Sonny. You ever hunted pig before? They squeal when you stab them. You want to go first? Then it'll be my turn. Mm-hmm. Sonny's old lady walked out on him last month. You know, he's really not a bad guy. He's just lonely. You're gonna love it. Hell. <laughs> it's better than dying, ain't it? You want him, don't you? You came down here for this, didn't you? i'm not certain but like when i was watching the scene it made me think of pulp fiction specifically the scene with zed you know the infamous scene with zed and uh where where uh the with the the moment with the gimp and and sort of when we see marcellus wallace or ving rames uh when he gets raped um i can't help but think like tarantino and Roger Avery had to, had one of them, if not both of them, I wouldn't be surprised if they saw this movie. And this movie inspired that scene specifically. Because it's just the way this scene is, this way this scene plays itself out. I mean, the difference is in the Pulp Fiction is that they actually show it. Like they actually, there's a moment where Butch uh, walks in on Zed in the act of. Raping Marcellus Wallace, right? Um, uh, Sylvester, I mean Sylvester, wow, Sylvester Stallone, uh, not Sylvester Stallone. That would have been different if Butch was played by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Bruce Willis, a.k.a. Uh, a.k.a. Butch, walks in, and we we get a brief glimpse of of that happening. They don't show it. So the way the movie, so the way that, the way this movie does it is, he unbuckles the belt, then it cuts to black, and then it comes back. And we just see Richard laying there, pantsless, on the floor, um, completely traumatized. Again, this movie. Like, when do you imagine watching this in the in the in mid '80s on TV, and it's about uh, a cop who gets raped, a male cop, not only just a male, a male cop played by Richard Crenna. I'm telling you, like this movie is. I've not and again. I. I I'm surprised that this movie is not more known, you know, um, hopefully, you know, this episode will, will, will bring more people will bring this, this movie into more people's awareness. And maybe this movie will get a little bit more, uh, notoriety in the future. I'm not expecting it to necessarily based off of one episode that I've done on it, but I can't help, but want to try and contribute in my own way to sort of highlighting movies like this, uh, that don't have any sort of bigger awareness. Um, I mean, obviously that's one of the stated goals of this podcast, right? Um, this movie is just, yeah, like, it, and the way this movie handles this whole thing. So, so, so it it. It's very interesting. It's just very interesting the way this plays out again. The casting, the performance of, of Richard Crenna, um, and how he acts moving forward after this. So the whole his whole viewpoint changes because now there's a guy who dis, who's who we see come out of the shadows and sees Richard. Now he's an eyewitness. He said he see. He even calls the cops. The cops come. Um, they come to get. They see Richard there. He tells the cops, I saw everything, but I didn't want to say anything because I was worried that that would happen to me next. So the cops come, Richard is traumatized, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, And then of course, the rest of the movie, the way the rest of the movie plays itself out, because again, like I've already talked, I don't even know how long I've been talking, probably close to an hour. Um, what's my time looking like? No, just almost. Um and I don't, I do, I want people to watch this movie, I don't, again, like, I'm not even sure where this movie's available That um, uh, if I find a, if I find an available copy, I'll put it in the show notes, if there's not any, co- if, if there's nothing in the show notes that I couldn't find an available copy, but it's out there, because I found it, so, um, do your due diligence, and if you're a patron subscriber, uh, a, a Patreon subscriber, um, you can definitely watch it, because I think I'm gonna post this, uh, in the Patreon, uh, a, a link to this movie for for my patron subscribers to watch um, it might be on YouTube I don't I'm not quite certain uh you know what since since um sitting in front of a laptop let's let's see because I feel like this is on YouTube let's see it might be. Um, <laughs> yes it is on it is on YouTube so I will post a link I will post a link uh, to this movie Um, I should have checked that wow I'm not quite certain if it's the same let me look at let me look at the runtime here since I'm okay let's see here hour 35 yeah that's about the same that's about the same link. this shouldn't be anything cut Um, so yeah I love it when the movie's available for free on YouTube to stream for people to watch. So uh, I'll post a link in the show notes for people to click on and to watch on YouTube. And, it, or you could just put it in YouTube. It'll pop up. Um, but I definitely want people to watch it. So I won't, I won't talk too much in length about what, what, how the rest of the movie plays out other than sort of at this point, Richard has a hard time. He goes through all of the things that the women victims he's watched go through but yet he didn't have he w- he didn't have the empathy for so he develops the empathy because of what happens to him but then we get to sort of see the movie what makes this movie so interesting is how we see the reactions of the people the reactions of his family the reactions of uh his co-workers in the police department um once everyone knows because this is an instant where he he can't he can't hide it he has to come out They know what happened. Everyone knows what happened to him. The reaction of his father, who again, his father, his father's a piece of shit. The reaction of the, the captain in sex crimes. Everyone in this motherfucking movie that's a cop is a piece of shit, by the way. Another reason why I probably like this movie a lot. Um, so, yeah, um, this movie is just, there's so many, there's moments, like again, there's moments in this movie that just made me like, I don't know, like, it just made me wanna stop and replay it. Specifically, again, that the mo the way the way the scene plays itself out, uh the way they depict the the sort of the the his assault with these men, like the way it's just so well directed. Like in it's in it's a way like they the director you don't have to see what happened. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to. Um it's so well handled that you're like you feel like by the time it cuts from the belt buckle to him laying there, it's just like you. I was just like wow, like wow, like they didn't have I didn't have to see it. I didn't have to see it at all, and it was still effective. And then just again watching, uh, watching Richard Krenna like. Give this performance, this, this change, because there's the first half of the movie where he's an arrogant dickhead, and it's the second half of the movie where he's now a victim. He never viewed himself as a victim. He thought he was the cowboy going on safaris, you know what I'm saying, like being a fucking badass and a womanizer and not listening to his, you know, uh, not listening to anybody, not listening to his captain um, when he's telling him to do shit, not listening to his partner, not you know I mean his actual police police officer partner not listening to his ex wife when it comes to like bringing his son back when he's supposed to he didn't listen to nobody not listening to the woman who's trying to explain to him like that you need to like be compassionate and really be respectful of these women victims and think about like what happened to them all of that but the 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 change that in the performance you know what I'm saying. Um, from the beginning, before he's assaulted, and then till after he's assaulted, when 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 he's actually becomes a victim himself, when two men rape him, you know, again, it's kind of, it's wild. That's a wild concept, right? It's a wild concept even now, but like to think about a cop, a cop of his stature, who gets raped by two criminals, right? And they steal his car, they steal his gun. Now he's fucking, you know, disgraced, like, you know, um, he's got his, his fellow police officers don't know how to sort of process and deal with it, deal with, deal with it either, and him having to learn how to deal with it himself, and then his, again, his friends and family and loved ones, it's just a very, it's just very, it's just a very interesting exploration, um, of sort of, like, the male ego, Male fragility um, what happens when the role's reversed? you know what I'm saying like how how how, how you know trying to get men to sort of uh, look at it through the eyes of a victim as opposed to you know through the eyes of like I'm the fucking I'm the I'm the hero, I'm the one who comes in and stops the shit or or you're the fucking predator, you know what I'm saying in this regard it's like nah bro, you're the victim like and how what that does to you psychologically and you can see it like in the performance you can see it in the performance like what it does to him psychologically and you watch him process it and even even like um and i won't again i won't get into sort of too much of the details of how the the last half of the movie plays out but i there's one thing i will say is what comes back into play is him letting that that guy go letting that rapist go you know what I'm saying, becomes a big aspect of like his redemption and him, him doing the right thing because this guy continues. We discover he continues to be, to, to be, uh, engaged. Like he's basically still raping women. Um, and it's all on Richard's shoulders because he let this guy go to catch a murderer. Right. He did, he did the wrong thing, you know, instead of doing his job, like you don't let this guy go just get, just to get your guy. You know what I'm saying? You don't let one guy off the, you let, let one keep one guy, you know what I mean? Like, and, um, that was an interesting, that's interesting. The way that plays out is, and also, um, him, how he has to sort of identify his attackers, you know, the, the men, his rapist. And like the, the interesting way that this movie concludes, um, yeah, it's just a it's just a it's just a movie that I feel like is is uh again, a, a hidden gem. So at this point, you know, I will say stop what you're doing. Um if you haven't uh already go to YouTube, watch uh the rape of Richard Beck. Um and yeah, just let me know, hit me, like, once you've watched it, like, uh, you know, feel free to let me know what you thought about it, you know, um, whether you're a patron or not, like, you know, you can tell me on, on, on the Patreon, what your thoughts about the movie, or on social, I'm on pretty much all social media, uh, letterboxd, you know, like, whatever, like, there's ways to sort of, like, let me know, so, because I'm, I'm interested in other people's opinion on this movie, because there's not a lot of opinions about this movie that I can come across, um, because it's just not seen, like, there's some people have seen it, it's not like, oh, it's completely unseen, obviously not, I mean, I think even the YouTube videos got, like, 14k views, but that's, it's been on YouTube for two years, so that's not a lot, um, but yeah, check it out, um, and as always, you know, I don't know how to end podcast, uh, so, This is the end, and uh, I'll be back next week, maybe even sooner, with another obscure, underseen piece of work. Peace.